0: Well, Merry Christmas, Uh, welcome, Uh, wherever you are, uh, whenever you are, so glad that we are able to come together uh, online for our last Sunday service of the year. If we haven't met yet, my name is Russell and I am the pastor for our community. And uh, these are strange times uh, we find ourselves in, uh, but I hope that you are healthy right now, that you are safe and that you're able to spend time uh, with those who you love um, and honestly, what I've been thinking about the last couple of days is, uh, how much I'm anticipating, uh, 2022 and all that is to come. I know Brandon just said it, but if you haven't already, please click the connection card link below. We would love to hear from you. Uh, we would love to pray for you. We would love, um, to be a community, uh, specifically in this season that cares for one another. And so please take the time, um, to do that. We want you Uh, To reach out in this season. I want to look at this John chapter 1 passage uh, for just a few minutes today um, and to draw on the implications of the incarnation, the hope that we have in the person of Jesus. And so um, I'm going to pray and then we'll look at this passage together. And so Father, um, we come from different places, um, different moods, um, different hopes and fears and dreams. And I pray right now um, that we Uh, would be reminded again of uh, how good you are uh, for sending your son and uh, the ways that you love us and the ways that you show us that we don't have to prove ourselves or earn uh, your love, uh, but you give it regardless. And so God, would you meet us uh, even in this time and in this place? Um, And I pray that we would um, find a renewed hope and a renewed spirit heading into 2022. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Well, as, uh, as Advent began uh, uh, in, in late November, uh, we began by elevating the idea of waiting. And uh, what we said is that uh, the tradition that we have culturally uh, speeds us up. It pushes us towards uh, Christmas, propels us, uh, the gift giving and gift buying. Uh, the last minute drinks with friends, the finishing up projects at works, the, the finals at school really push us towards the end of the year when historically the church calendar has actually used this time uh, to slow down. Um, Advent comes from the Latin adventus, which means uh, the coming or the arrival. And so we actually are, 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 are what were our posture was, was to slow down, to be uh, and to be present, um, to hear renewed again. Uh, this story of Jesus incarnating himself, putting on flesh, God in the flesh to be with us. And in some ways, uh, what it was, uh, we said, uh, Fleming Rutledge actually said, um, Advent begins in the dark, meaning we're, we wait in the darkness and we understand the depths of darkness, but we long for the light. And the light is what is to come. I was reading actually this week that in the med- medieval church, um, the four Sundays of Ad- Advent were not joy, hope, love, and peace. But in the medieval church, the four Sundays of Advent were death, judgment, heaven, and hell. So uh, maybe a theme for, for next year. But what we've been trying to do is um, prepare ourselves for the, the, the coming of Jesus yesterday, Christmas, right? And uh, we've done that, right? The, the light has shone in the darkness. And uh, this is the thing we've been waiting and anticipating for it has come. And Christmas is this celebration about the incarnation and arrival of Jesus Christ. And so we've been doing that, right? We've been resting and waiting and anticipating. And one of the things I shared about a month ago was that this comes at a really personal time and in a really personal way for me. Um, like ancient Israel waiting for a Savior to be born, although not definitely not a Savior being born, our family has been waiting for our Son, and our Son has come. And so, yeah, scroll through some pictures here. Um, December 7th in the afternoon, uh, we welcomed healthy baby boy, Luther Russell uh, Raider, And uh, fingers crossed, so far, he's an amazing sister. He, uh, sorry, he's an amazing sleeper. He's loved by his sister. And it's just been absolutely um, incredible, this new life in, uh, in our house, and mom and brother are, are doing well, uh, despite some sickness in our house, some COVID in our house. Um, but h- here we have been. We've been waiting, like Advent calls us to do, waiting. And then bursting through comes our son. And nothing again is going to be um, the same in our lives, right, with the arrival of our son, this celebration and joy and hope and peace. But the, the thing that's a little bit ironic is the pain of the birth is barely talked about. There's some practical things to, to work through. I you know I, I can't speak to this as well as my wife can. Um, felt physically pain, yes, but joy and love, this gift, overshadow the hardship. How is that pain overshadowed? It's overshadowed with our son's presence. It's overshadowed with our son's presence. Something new has broken through and we get to be with our son. Everything changes with presence. This is the message of John chapter one. When Jesus breaks through, when his presence arrives, nothing is the same. And I think about being with my son, I'm, uh, I'm learning to be with him, right? I'm learning to be responsible to him and for him. I'm binding myself to him. I'm learning how to care for his needs. I'm learning his rhythms as I'm with him. And that's John chapter one um, in a big nugget, right? Jesus is with us. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were Made through him and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. And then verse 14, this is so key. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we have seen his glory. Glory as of the only son from the father, full of grace, truth. I love how the four Gospels are all so different in their presentation of the incarnation of Jesus. Matthew begins with uh, genealogical information, sort of uh, an Ancestry.com list of how Jesus came to be. Uh, Mark has no time for any of it like we've been studying. Details are so below him, and so he just cruises through that. Luke begins in this uh, narrative form, uh, recounting the story of Jesus. He's got to do the orderly thing in, in recounting the story. But John does something uh, different here. He gives us the meaning and the implications of Jesus coming to earth. He gives us what's called the doctrine of the incarnation. And incarnation is actually uh, uh, has a, is a Latin root word. Um, it, the root there is carne, which is where we actually get our word, Meat from, or like skin or flesh, and so it means to put on flesh, and that's what uh, John one is telling us is that the word became flesh. Uh, one commentator I was reading this week said this: this statement is one of the most significant and memorable ever penned. Its implications are limitless. It has proved, oh, well, it has provided the church over the centuries with a key to understanding the mystery of Jesus Christ. It represents the heart and the climax of the gospel. Why would he say the incarnation, this passage is the the uh, heart and climax of the gospel? And I think it's because it says something about what God is like, right? We ask uh, all the time, God, what are you like? What is the Christian God like? Or even, even maybe to take it a step further, how How do I make sense of God in our modern and our advanced age? And here's what it says in verse 14. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. The word, right? This this word here is a little little unique. Uh, uh, In different translations, you know, we'll do different things with that word there. But if you look at verse 1, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. And so the word wasn't created, the word wasn't the first creation, but rather it says all things were created by and through this word. Uh, the, 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 the Greek word that's used here is the Greek word logos. It's where we get uh, our word logic from. In the beginning was the logos and the logos was with God and the logos was God. Why is John trying to use this word here? And what he's doing is he's actually speaking to two audiences simultaneously. He looks at the Greek speaking people and he says the word or the logos to to the Greek people would have been the fundamental logic of the universe. Uh, The logos was the given title to the creative force or the intelligent being um, behind the universe, but it was never personal and it was never relational. It was a, a sort of abstract Idea the, the the logos was something um, far away something um, perfect something that wasn't um, physical because it, it was more of a theoretical idea therefore it would stay away from that which might make it dirty or messy and so John says to the Greeks that the logos is not any longer an impersonal power it's not a floating idea out there somewhere but the logos is a person. And so to the Greek mind, this would have been absolutely revolutionary. The very source of creative power and wisdom and knowledge and intelligence, John is saying, the very logic of God has become a person in this person of Jesus. And then to the Jewish people, they had a different idea of the the, the word, the logos, right? In the Jewish circle, God and his words were nearly indistinguishable. They were, they were the... They were pretty much the same exact thing, and you notice John one one mirrors Genesis one one in the beginning, right? Genesis one opens by saying that the universe it has has begun by God speaking it into in existence, and John one one in the beginning was the Word, right? John is looking at the Jewish audience and he's saying this logos is that is. The word is a person. The words of God are a person. You're like, Russell, it's a day after Christmas. Why do I care, right? What? what what's, what's going on here? The word that existed from the beginning, the very logic of God has become a person. And you can actually put Jesus's name in John chapter one. And maybe you've done this before. In the beginning was Jesus. And Jesus was with God and Jesus was God. Okay, this is the claim At Christmas, that God came in human form, humbling himself, making himself vulnerable and personal in the person of Jesus. And so the incarnation makes God tangible. And here's why I think that this is uh, so important when we think about the message of Christmas. Uh, I was watching uh, the news earlier this week. Um, It was just, it's all bad news, right? The first uh, like two minutes, uh, was terrible news, and then they do this little segment called The Morning Boost, and it was like a good news story, and I was like, well, I actually kind of appreciate uh, a, a little t- a change of tone, a change of pace in the news. And later on um, in the news, they actually had this segment. They had uh, two faith leaders from right here in the city uh, come on to the news and um, share uh, a moment of hope at Christmas uh, and what Christmas was all about. And I I think the segment was called like the faithful or something like that. And um, the two individuals on there s- spoke eloquently. It was beautiful what they had to share. Um, none of it was not uh, true, but the problem to me, even though they had beautiful things um, to say about hope and generosity and um, community, the name of Jesus was never mentioned. And the reason this is amiss is because Christmas is about Jesus. Christmas is this message of hope because Jesus has showed up. Christmas is about the fact that God of the cosmos willingly, lovingly subjected himself from the heights of perfection into the darkness of humanity. And God's vision For the flourishing of humanity is not found in um, trivial statements, abstract hope, but actually at Christmas, God is found tangibly in the person of Jesus. We're not trying to figure out how to be good people or to fix our lives as we move into a new year, but actually we reflect on a person who has come, who has lived a perfect life, who did die and rise triumphantly. I was reading an old hymn from the 19th uh, century earlier this week. It said, "Lo, within a manger lies he who built the starry sky. It's, it's, it's bigger than we could ever imagine. Why? Because it's a person. God, what are you like? If you want to know what God's like, J- John is saying, look at the word. If you want to know what God is like, look at Jesus. And so God's vision for the fullness of humanity is not a religion or an ideology, but it's actually a person. And I know we're so, we're so prone in in the season to seek out meaning and purpose. And there are moments where they just seem to break through when we gather together, when um, we sing, when we spend time with, with, with family. But I don't want us to miss this, this moment where we can reflect on the fact that Jesus himself is the message and so maybe you you, are coming into the end of the year and you're you're beginning to think well how how do i do another year of this or how, how should i change in the new year how do i begin to cope with the realities of the world how do i escape the realities of the world and the answer is actually we need presence right we don't need to escape something but we actually need the presence of something in our lives i was praying earlier this week i was just like god i just need your presence Like, I don't don't know what else I can do, how how to posture myself, but I actually need your presence in my life. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Theologian Karl Barth says, the nativity mystery means that God became human, truly human out of his own grace. This is the climbing down of God. Jesus Christ is not only truly God. He is human like every one of us. He is human without Limitation. He is not only similar to us, he is like us. God made vulnerable. The very divine made human. The word made weak. And I love that. God, like a ladder, climbing down, a hundred percent God, a hundred percent man. He's in a place of utter perfection, and he leaves that to come downstairs leaving the divine privileges and entering amidst the, the brokenness and the darkness of our world. And it's not, it's, it's not as though God is up in heaven and he's dissatisfied, right? He's like, I, I'm kind of bored up here. I'm, I'm tired of perfection. I, I think I just need some friends. I, that, that's not it, right? He's not only similar to us, but he's like us because he's lived as we've lived. He's lived as we've lived. Uh, Matthew 1, says, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name what? Emmanuel, which means God with us. What does God with us mean? It means presence. It means presence for us. Uh, as I was studying this passage this week, I came across something uh, really fascinating in, in verse 14. It says, The word became flesh and what? And dwelt among us. Right. And I, I was just wrapping my mind around this idea of, uh, of dwelling, um, you know, dwelling in conversation, um, uh, dwelling after an event. And I got to think, what what is the what is the writer trying to communicate with this idea of, of dwelling? And so I went and looked and uh, it's really fascinating. Um, this word dwelling actually literally means to, to set up like a camp. Uh, and the word is a tabernacle. Right, like this, this portable worship situation from the Old Testament. And in the Old Testament, um, the temple was the central place of life and worship. It was the it was the place where uh, God was thought to dwell on earth. Yes, God was in heaven, um, but it, it, the temple was a place where God would dwell um, on earth. It was a place of sacrifice, a place of uh, religious ceremony. But the temple was thought to be where the presence of God would reside and heaven would actually poke through um, into earth. But before the Israelites worshiped God in a temple, they had this mobile worship site called the tabernacle. Um, and you might say, well, why, why do they need a portable temple? But Because when the Israelite people needed a place to, to worship, a place for God um, to dwell with them, they needed that when they were wandering In the wilderness, they had forgotten and forsaken the uh, promises of of God in disobedience. They were sent out into the wilderness for forty years, and the tabernacle would go with them, and it was where the presence of God would reside as they wandered in the desert. And I found this really fascinating that this idea of tabernacle was actually found here in John chapter one verse fourteen, and the Word became flesh and tabernacled among us. Why tabernacled and not templed, right? We're just drawing on Old Testament themes. There's no reason John couldn't have said that uh, he templed among them. And after thinking long and hard about this, I, I, I thought about the way in which um, God doesn't wait, right? God doesn't wait for us to come to him, but he's wholly different. God in the person of Jesus comes to us even in the midst of our wilderness, even in the midst of our disobedience, even in the midst of are wandering, and so as we come to the end of the year, if you feel um, like you're wandering or you're you're lost, or uh, you're living in a, a life of disobedience, if you're living a life of obedience, regardless, God comes to us in the midst of our wandering and wants to be with us, despite how we may behave, what we've been believing, what's going on in our lives. God is showing us, I desire to be with you. But one last thing, and I, I you cannot miss this here. The word became flesh and dwelt among us and we've seen his glory, glory is of one of the only son from the father, full of what? Full of grace and truth. God is with us full of truth. And here's the reality of Jesus. Jesus walked around telling people the truth about who they were their, their value as people and the mess they had made. Jesus was full of truth and he continually time after time called it as it is. Jesus came and told people the truth about their brokenness and their need for restoration. Jesus came and told people the truth about their value and dignity and worth as human beings. And some of us, some of us actually, that, that's primarily the thing that we need to hear today is that uh, despite our circumstances, but despite our trauma, that uh, the truth is, is that we are valuable and hold dignity and worth as people created in the image of God. Uh, Jesus walked around telling people the truth about the sinfulness of their lives and their need to be saved. But the amazing thing about Jesus is always coupled with truth was grace. And and we know this in our lives that we're actually desperate for friendships in our lives where truth and grace are present. And um, so often we desire friendships where there's only grace present, where we can be ourselves, be fully known and fully understood. But also we deeply desire friends that will tell us the truth, right? We need both of these things. And so God is with us full of truth, but God is with us full of grace. And Christmas is a whole new way uh, of thinking about um, how God's mercy is not dependent on our virtue. It's a new way of thinking that God doesn't love us because we behave a certain way or we go to a specific church or because we're killing it at work or um, you know, because we're, um, we're reconciling friendships or, or whatever it may be. But at Christmas, God, graciously comes down he doesn't demand that we come to him but in humility he comes to us in grace we're sinful truth we're separated from god truth we're unable to fix ourselves truth but we are children grace we are loved by god grace and we are saved by grace through faith this is grace. And this is what the Christmas message is all about. God is with you. This is no trivial holiday, a day of wishful thinking, or a day of presence. But this is a day where God desires to be with us. And we remember what God has done in the person of Jesus. And we attach our stories to the story that God is telling you. And so I hope what all of this trajectory might mean, God being with us, full of grace and truth, I hope what it might mean is that you would rest. I pray that you have time um, to rest in this truth this week, that it wouldn't be uh, running around a ton of things to do, but a time to remember uh, the truth about who we are, but also to remember the grace about who we are. Luke 2, 11 through 14. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you, you will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was an angel and a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. Let's pray. God, I never wanna underestimate uh, this beautiful news, not just as a pie in the sky kind of story, but one that deeply uh, changes my own life, the ways in which I see the world, the ways um, that you've come to humble yourself as a person. God, I pray that as a a church, that we would model this type of humility, that we would love others in this way and that we would rest over the next week, two weeks. I pray that we would be reminded of the great lengths you've come to be with us, the work that uh, you've done on the cross and that we would rest in those things, remembering that even when we um, couldn't earn it or deserve it, you died and you rose. It's your name we pray, amen. Well, thank you so much for being with us uh, online this morning. We are anticipating an amazing uh, 2022 um, community groups, um, Sundays, uh, back into the book uh, of Mark. And I hope that this is a safe, new and encouraging and in a year where um, you are really growing as, um, as a holistic human, emotionally, spiritually, um, physically, mentally, all of these um, things. Uh, we'd love to meet you uh, in person. Uh, if you haven't subscribed to our newsletter, um, uh, you can do that in the link below. We send out regular communications um, through there. And be sure to check out our website, reunionnyc.com. Uh, fill out the connection card, we'll follow up to you. Other than that, let me send you with a blessing. And so may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he give you comfort and joy in a season of uncertainty and darkness. May the Holy Spirit remind you that Jesus is one, full of grace and truth. May he empower us to accept this good news of grace as a gift. And may he send us into 2022 to love others well. Amen.